I sing because I'm happy. This has been a particularly challenging season with the ever incumbent concerns over COVID combined with the grave uncertainties and worries over my 96-year-old mother's care. As she's in Canada, a country which is once again going through severe lockdown, I've been challenged to travel to see her and help her beyond the innumerable phone calls I've daily made to seek assistance on her behalf. I'm sure that many of you can relate to these types of anxieties and some even more exasperating and perplexing than mine. Yet, despite these continuous concerns outside my window all day and throughout the night, I hear the sweetest bird song ever. The variety of this little songster's melody and the persistence of his song, no matter the time of day, has always brought a smile to my face. I was so intrigued by his potent yet pretty refrain that I've often stepped outside to check him out. And there I find him all alone, high-stepping on the very top of a tall telephone pole, chortling to his heart's content. In fact, he dances around in circles on this tiny ledge as if he's determined to project his singular tune to the farthest corners of the neighborhood. <laughs> Although unremarkable in his plain plumage, he's a master at his craft, warbling out a seemingly endless string of differing tunes. God has made these birds so clever that my little mockingbird is, is someone who can add new sounds to their repertoire throughout their lives, and the male mockingbird may learn up to 200 songs throughout his lifetime. He actually has developed different repertoires for different seasons, one for spring and another for fall. Interestingly, the female mockingbird usually sings more quietly, generally in the fall season, and usually when the male is away. I won't try to psychoanalyze that piece of information, but let it rest where it will. One final point about the northern mockingbird is that at one time they were so renowned for their creative melodies that people captured and caged so many that they almost vanished from their native region. In fact, they were so desirable at that, as that time that people paid up to $50 a bird in the early 1800s. Well, thank God we still have the mockingbirds today, and I still get to enjoy them and their beautiful song. Even now, as I'm preparing this, my little songster is happily jingling out my window. So, why am I telling you this? Well, one, his tune is so happy that it always lifts my spirit when I hear him sing. Two, He's willing to sing on his own with no friends about or any noticeable audience to hear him. Three, he never tires of singing for hours on end. And finally, he's so cheerful that he's always creating a new joyful noise. It seems, in fact, that God wants us to be like this little bird. According to Psalm 96, we are to sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord, we're told. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish 
his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. And this isn't the only verse with this instruction. Psalm 98 also says, Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. And Psalm 149 similarly instructs us to praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. David, the shepherd king and noted songster of 75 psalms, shares the mockingbird's delight in creating and making music, saying in Psalm 144, I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises with a ten-stringed harp. And David acknowledges the source and reason for his music in Psalm 40, stating he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. This certainly reinforces the instruction in Psalm 33, where we are told, let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It's fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him in the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. Then the psalmist goes on to explain why we sing. For the word of the Lord holds true and we can trust everything he does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. There's a beautiful hymn that expresses this so perfectly. It was written as a poem by Sevilla Martin in 1904. Sevilla, a devoted Christian, joined her evangelist husband in his travels across the United States. Together they wrote and sung most of their own musical arrangements. On one of their journeys, Sevilla was visiting a sick friend, Mrs. Doolittle, who'd been bedridden for over 20 years. Similarly, her husband, too, was confined to a wheelchair. Yet, despite their debilitating infirmities, this couple lived a happy, contented life, bringing comfort and inspiration to all who knew them. Amazed by their joyful optimism and hopefulness, Sevilla asked their secret to which Mrs. Doolittle replied, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Sevilla knew they were referring to Jesus' words in Matthew 10. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Encouraged by this couple's simple yet profound faith and stirred by the image of God's watchful care over even the tiniest sparrow, Sevilla penned the words of the lovely hymn, later asking her composer friend Charles Gabriel to put it to music. This song with its musing, moving lyrics became memorialized by famous gospel singer Ethel Waters, who sang and gave her testimony at many Billy Graham crusades. What were Sevilla's words? Why should I feel discouraged? And why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for my heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, 
My constant friend is he. His eyes are on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And the chorus picks up the refrain. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. These touching words and the many gifted singers who have sang them have soothed so many of us over the years as they so perfectly illustrate the loving care of our Heavenly Father who tenderly keeps his ever-watchful eye upon his beloved children. One priest, Father Joe Gillespie, wrote, Hope is the thing with feathers. It perches in the soul. It sings the tune without words and never stops at all. He must have heard the mockingbird. All of us can think of our music and how it's comforted us when we're downhearted or lightened our burdens when we feel despair. There is a reason for this. In the medical community, music is known as a powerful healer. One study from Austria's General Hospital of Salzburg reveals that patients heal more quickly and reported less pain after back surgery when, when music was added to the rehabilitation process. Another Finnish study showed that stroke victims who listened to two hours of music per day had better memory recovery and focused attention. Other medical specialists incorporate music in the treatment regimen for patients suffering brain-related injuries and diseases because it helps facilitate movement. Why this fascinating correlation, I wonder? A leading clinical psychologist offers one answer. Music is an important part of our physical and emotional well-being. Ever since we were babies in our mother's wombs, listening to our heartbeat and breathing rhythms, it seems God literally created us listening and being comforted by soothing sounds. Yet it isn't just the impact of the sound of music. There is also the matter of singing a new song, as our psalmist teaches. And if my mockingbird is any example, we need to be excited to belt out a tune, even when no one is around to hear. Paul and Silas did that as they were in the dark, in the middle of prison, in the middle of the night. They weren't moaning, although their bruises and open wounds must have been excruciating. Acts 16 tells us, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And what happened? Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. What an incredible moment of deliverance. What a powerful reminder of what music can do. It can set us free. It can deliver us from no matter what situation we're in. Today, we can join the psalmist and my mockingbird and sing, Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. The psalmist writes in Psalm 63, and my heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. He writes in Psalm 57. How interesting it is that the word sin changes to sing with the addition of one letter, G. Perhaps if we're engaged in more joyful, pure-hearted singing, we'd be less inclined to sin.
What do you think? God bless you, everybody. May you too sing because you're happy and you're happy because of what God has done for you. Amen and amen.